This will be episode six of Shaking Logics. Um, this will be part two of the interview with Jeremy Artatis, and but now we have uh, Miguel here as well to have a discussion about this model of working known as architect as developer. How you doing, Jeremy? Good to be back. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So uh, I listened to, uh, to that conversation you guys had a little bit, and um, there's a lot there. Um, one of my main questions sort of um, going into the topic it's how do the understanding of the process plays into the financial aspect of of uh, the whole program for for instance like is it viable for somebody just out of architecture school um, going into the program as opposed to somebody who's been in the field for five, six, seven years who under, has a little bit more of an understanding of the process of um, maybe building and, you know, permitting and all of that? Yeah, uh, I think it's it, any times. There is no good time to hop into development coming from an architectural standpoint and the reason being is everyone has their own agenda for themselves their own personal agenda and so <clears throat> whether you're starting off um, straight from academia into the profession and, and trying to raise funds and finances it I for me I see it extremely important to do that because everything is still fresh in your mind and you're coming from um that fresh like problem solving attitude you know so when you're trying to raise finances or you're trying to figure out how to get into the game you're using that creativity to incorporate it in, into more of a business model the same way you try to problem solve for architecture this is the same way you're going to have to try to figure out a way to make this happen and whether you're in the profession zero to two years versus 10 to 15 and you, you've been permitting documents all day that's this it's the same learning curve you're gonna you're gonna find a way to make it happen um, and I I'm trying to understand that question a little bit more too because are, are you questioning if, if you've built up finances over time too or is, is it just the I think because I had <clears throat> I had a similar question to that okay which is kind of conversation we had early on when we were even discussing amongst ourselves like oh who should we bring on blah 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 <clears throat> and this came out it came up as um, it basically came up the thought that it, it already takes a few years you know to build up a good knowledge base of construction code permitting process in the architecture um, if you just stay within the architecture field as an architect so you <clears throat> already um, like how do you consolidate like gaps in your knowledge basically N now that you're adding you know financial stuff uh, development yeah so I guess don't jump beyond your means and if there's a way for you to even learn construction because you understand um, schematic design and, and construction documents focus on that because that's that's going to the thing about architect and development is that it's all encompassing so you have to wear a lot of hats and you have to kind of get uh, an even more broader field of of uh, construction methods and, and how to get things permitted um, 
vice versa, if you had some know-how to construct and you didn't know how to uh, permit some drawings, then that's your next step, right? Because mm -hmm. you're going to have to figure out these, all of these little um, tasks to, to complete a project. And so, you know, there are, there are some types of buildings where you don't need a license. There are some types of buildings where um, the scale is manageable. And I, I think for first projects, for, for lessons to be learned, you know, those are, those are the projects that you should go after if you're kind of new to this. If, obviously, if you're more tenured in the profession, then you'll be more comfortable doing a larger size project or something that requires more know-how. But you're still running into the same instances. Right. So I guess that kind of leads to uh, um, the issue of, like, I know there's a model, uh, kind of like what, you know, Mike and them do. It's like you sort of take on the role of a contractor, or I don't know if they do, and they kind of hire their own subs, contractors, you know, property management. They kind of take on all these different roles. Um, and, for example, like, say for somebody like uh, Abel and I or Hector or whatever, that say we want to do something similar and we have some, a little bit of experience, but we understand that risk, that construction, because it's a risky business, obviously, right, um, that construction has. Is it, is it, um, do you think it's more viable or let's say like more, it makes more sense to go ahead and, and get your, like, for example, your contractor's license um, and then jump into a project where it's kind of like jump into it if you if the numbers make sense and, and it's like more of a learn as you go kind of thing I mean I would even say that it's <clears throat> you would look for if you're looking for a partner you would look for that partner that fills in your gaps in knowledge right because if like me and you Miguel we probably have like similar experience yeah. of like residential yeah. single family so it doesn't right yeah, uh, so you're talking about Mike Barnett of Foundation Four, yeah, yeah. I'm assuming. Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so he he was actually one of my mentors for the program, and it almost seems like he he's definitely accomplished so much. But even as he speaks to us, he's talking about risks and lessons learned that like I am just. I, I don't even know how to in, interpret it because it's sometimes it's being over budget, right? He, he spoke to us about being over budget on two projects that are, are being built now, today. And so, like, I'm trying to figure out how to interpret that risk. And then for myself, or for, for someone who's been um, in, in residential and, and is in a, like a, small, a, a, smaller, a smaller pool, per se, you know, what if what if you get into a project that's still multifamily, like a duplex, right. a, three, uh, a triplex, something like that, where you're kind of doing the same thing that a larger developer is doing, um, but under more control, it's it's the same thing, I think. Sometimes it's scarier when you go bigger, you know, because right. then you're, lever you're really leveraging other people's money. Yep. Um, oftentimes it's like, it's not like you're self-funding those projects yourself. Right. And so sometimes when it's just your own money, you're already making all of these, uh, you're already padding yourself and making sure like if, if things go wrong with this project, 
there's an exit strategy and that's very important for, for any project is that you have more than one exit strategy or you try to figure out what's the worst case situation that could happen. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes a project for us might be um, the purchase of maybe like a single family dwelling. Mm-hmm. And the worst case outcome of that is that you have to live in it. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, that's, that's not bad. That's not a bad thing <laughs> because for me, what that sounds is like, what that sounds like is like you're, you're building your own home. Right. So the worst case scenario is you were planning to buy a house. Um, you were hoping to develop it and, and add density and this and that. But in all honesty, if, if it really came down to it, the worst thing that could happen is you designed yourself a custom home. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So would you say like uh, the same, it varies uh, per project, I believe, right? Exit strategies. But yeah. for example, say if you bought like a already built, um, like a four unit, you know, duplex or com- or complex or whatever, and uh, let's say you want to just remodel the units or you know just make it more interesting. Uh, an exit strategy there would be you're just gonna like live in one and then rent the other, or like I mean, how do you how do you evaluate your exit strategy? Uh, I think this, I think that question pertains to what you want out of that. Uh-huh. particular product um, there are different things that you can recognize and is it something that you ultimately want to live in at the end of the day is it something that you're keeping as an investment uh, long term short term are you trying to sell it right away are you building uh-huh. it just so that the market's hot and it would be a good time to, to essentially just flip it or is it something deeper than that is it uh just just uh, another product to add to your portfolio is it um, tax shelter like there's all these little right. intricacies of of why people do development and, and take on partners and i'm assuming you sort of evaluate that you know like yeah totally. you be way before and then you sort of yeah by the time by the time it comes to looking to property you're already kind of surveying what your goals are for yourself yeah that's another thing that, that kind of like comes to mind when like when you talk about what the goal for the property is like say you go into a project with an intention of renting it or selling it or whatnot but then i know it's kind of like a slow process or you know like everything like construction by the time maybe you're you're already building or if the market is not as hot as you expect it then i'm assuming that's where you're talking about your exit strategy comes right exactly so what happens when you can't sell it exactly yeah. does it work then does it start to perform as good as a rental property I yeah, see. and then you could ride the storm and then when the market's hot again you could relist it and, and say like oh, okay uh, building is now worth X amount yeah and then there, there you could put your blinders on for that as well you could say like I don't really care what this yeah. building is going to be worth it's going to be something that I want to hold on to forever for the rest of my career yeah. and pass it down to my, my generation and we're going to get into the romantic side of this yeah. where it's just like oh I get to leave I get to leave a legacy for my kids and yeah. my grandkids and they get to see like oh grandpa you know yeah. <laughs> This was his right. So, uh, again, what your values are towards a profession is totally yeah. applicable to this, to what this career is. Cool. Um, I guess another just something that I thought of is like, and the markets change, right? And uh, it like here in San Diego, rents, you know, property values, or if you want to buy a house or a condo, or whatever, it's just right now it's been going up and up. Um, and it's kind of like a hot market I, I hear and it, and it gets really expensive. So profit margins, I assume, would be lower, right? Because 
is very competitive. So I'm, I'm, I guess the question is, does good design add value to your project? Absolutely. 100%. And that's, that I is, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you, I mean, we as, as coming from the architectural background, we know what good spatial value is right. when you step into that room. Let's say you're to, to tour a market or to tour an apartment, right? And there's kind of the uh, cookie cutter, uh, the standard San Diego apartment right now probably has, let's just go pound for pound, 600 square feet mm-hmm. is kind of typical right now for a one bedroom, one bath. And, you know, depending on location, there's all these types of factors that play into it. But uh, if you step into an apartment that was designed with integrity, kind of from the architect's point of view, you could recognize the differences between the two, right? And of course, some may have more amenities, this and that, but that's why commercial apartments typically get to charge more is because they have the gym, they have the pool, they have the the theater on the first floor, this and that. But accordingly, as an architect, we compensate with value too. If we add a 15 foot volume in there or a patio that it can do more than just stand out there and you could actually put a table and congregate outside, you know, those to me are what the, those are the small values that are added because of architectural intent. Oh, so I guess this is a two, two part question. Yeah, sure. and, uh, yeah. So like as architects, our, our main tool for value is space planning, right? So we're yeah. planning the spaces. You talked about how like, you know, pound for pound, right. um, like amenities aside, like compare like two buildings, like your typical North Park or, or um, South Park, Golden Hill, like five unit building, four unit building, you know, little, little spaces. Sure. Um, we make those spaces really cool, but then there are some, there are some uh, uh, like shady buildings out there mm-hmm. that, you know, that they do that have, uh, I guess, good materials, uh, you know, in quality. And then there are like good um, space plan buildings that have shitty materials, you know. Right. So is that is that kind of like a trade off? Because I mean, let's let's be honest. Like some of these buildings that look might look contemporary or might look, be well planned, but then like you sort of cheap out on the on the stuff that you, I guess, uh, you know. I mean, you're living in or you're renting one of right. these, right? Like, so what is your? Yeah, I mean. <clears throat> yeah, I've definitely heard complaints from tenants of. Yeah, I'm thinking of the La Esquina project. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Throwing names out there. <laughs> but basically, and I mean, we've even talked about it, right? Like some, some of the, some of the projects end up using when it comes to like the, the finishes, you know, like cabinetry, right. et cetera, right. it's not like super high end. And I, I mean, is that kind of what you're, yeah, I'm assuming that's, to? that's sort of the trade off, right? Like in, in order, cause design has its value. Obviously sure. you're putting in this time, like all this time that's costly, you know, it's costing you, it's costing the, you know, your investors, the, yeah. the time that you design, that's, that's the value. So I guess I'm assuming the trade off for that value would be, maybe going less on uh, but you're also I, I'm assuming you get into cutting costs wherever you can and like making it you know work 
in a good way. Yeah, it goes back to that getting creative with the, the finance. There you right? go, getting Making creative. Sure it fits within that, that budget. But, uh, Abel, going back to your question, I, I think from what I've seen, there's also a price point at which these products are offered at. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, there's, there's going to be some sacrifices that you have to make. And sometimes the finishes aren't exactly, you know, what you especially coming from the architect it's you know you have to deal with it not being up to exactly what you want and you're going to try to do the most but i think the price is is what is what reflects out of that even though they might have had problems with this and that i think i think being um, a developer with an architectural background you're able to to bridge that affordable housing too and maybe I mean, we designed to a much lower vacancy because we're able to provide these products. And so although there might be problems with our tenants and this and that, we have less uh, less vacancy. From what I've seen, there's people start to just accept what these conditions are. Or yeah, maybe people th- love living in these <laughs> places, you know? Like, I mean, Wilson, who was saying that <clears throat> yeah, like living in a Jonathan Siegel building is as a it's like a fashion accessory, you know, like it's like a status thing. Yeah, it's like a status. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting as a status icon, you know, <laughs> for living in San Diego. But I mean, that's that's pretty awesome too. Is that you know, architects are finally getting recognition for their works mm-hmm. and in in their own time. This isn't something that's fifty, eighty years old, and the architect has passed, and it's like now this is a historic mm-hmm. Siegel building. It's we're, we're uh, Miguel. Going back to your question, we're starting to educate San Diego about the quality of buildings and um, and showing that you know materiality and trends they fade away. Uh, good spatial experience is recognized, yeah. and just little by little, you know, people can differentiate yeah. one over the other and put a, a value to themselves if it's worth it or not. Right. Yeah, I guess it sort of answers because it's. I guess answers my question because it's easier for us to walk into a space and then the first thing obviously we analyze is the space, and then we move to the details, right? Like the details is like, but that, I mean, I guess it is important because as, as the role of the architect and developer and and, and and what and all the control that you have, you're in you're in control of those details, you know. Um, but yeah, like like you're saying, I mean, uh, I'm 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 just like interested in like the, those decisions that. And it totally makes sense. I mean, I'd rather have this, you know, big, beautiful window as opposed to like a granite yeah. countertop. You know, like yeah, yeah, that's yeah, where you spend. Yeah, that's where you spend the money, and and then and yeah, it totally makes sense. So um, I guess going back to the to the experience with the program, um, you're sort of as uh, we're not. I mean, most architects are, in my experience, have been more artistic driven if i could say right or it actually depends on the personality depends on the person but most of my experience have been it's more it's more of an, an artistic driven career with my experience and my peers and there's a lot of lack of uh business experience <laughs> with most with most of us i would say even my you know myself you know all the people i know how to like uh i think you probably just addressed this earlier but you know can you sort of explain a little bit how much heavier it is on the business side 
as opposed to the architecture when when the program starts or gets going yeah i, I think i mentioned to abel in the first episode that uh, this is the ultimate practice of business of architecture from nice. my point of view and you're right in in architecture school for undergrad even for some master's program the the model of the business isn't pronounced probably as much as it should because there's a I, I think there's a high percentage of people who pursue the architecture career and become their own business owner but I'm starting to listen to this question a little bit deeper and if we're taking it from the artistic side and we were to follow someone who was going to school for music or um, classical arts, do they have business classes, right? And so I think... No, I can tell you no, because I see... <clears throat> I mean, I'm not a, an artist, and, but I watch a lot of like art, artist videos on YouTube, yeah. and they always talk about how they start their shop, how they... That's like, yeah, they always mention that lack of knowledge in their in their schooling and their career. Yeah. So, yeah. So in that regard, I think from so I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I, I was a alumni from Woodbury. Right. I did my undergrad in Woodbury and my educational experience for architecture was invaluable I guess I can't I was able to kind of look back and figure out you know I, I, I got what I needed to know out of this program and to understand the creative processes and the rigor um, I I definitely grew and so I don't know if the business model should be so heavy-handed in that period of time. If you're looking at architecture afterwards and you're saying, okay, now what do I want to do? Because eventually I want to own my own business. Um, I want to make this you know, a, a somewhat sustainable lifestyle for myself. Then I think it's good to then pursue the business aspect of it. And so, yeah, you're right. Business isn't as heavy handed as it should be in architectural practice just because of how many people start to open up their own businesses afterwards. But um, the MRED focuses heavily on how financials go hand in hand with the design that you make. And it's very important because you cannot have one without the other. Um, I'm going to go into the specifics a little bit. Again, it's that when we design, we have, it's almost like we have the, the Rhino model or the okay. 3D model orbiting yeah. on one monitor, and then the Excel mon the Excel spreadsheet scrolling up and down on the others, and it's like, oh, you decided to cantilever this building x amount of feet over a parking space. You're gonna need some type of moment frame or right. what what have you, right? How is this showing in your performer that now mm -hmm. you have to add these structural costs? So it's mm -hmm. just, it's. I wish there was a program out there that blended the two. Yeah, cool, <laughs> but. Yeah, it's, you know, every decision has an effect. Yeah. And for me, it's just carrying that creative process one step further. Yeah. Now we're going beyond the design, beyond the permitting, and it's it's just one more facet that you have to take responsibility of. Okay, that's good. So 
Yeah, I guess that kind of plays into another question that we uh, talked about before, and uh, I think it was uh, Abel and Hector and I, and I think Hector got a little passionate about. I was, uh, should, should, since I understand that it's not like undergrad architecture school is not business driven, you know, at all. No. And uh, so, like, the question is should, should the architect, should that be the main goal of the architect to own his own project? Like, I guess we, the, the comparison was uh, as an artist, if you have a painting, like, you don't paint and you just, like, keep the painting or you own the painting. You know, you put it out in the world for people to enjoy. Um, as an architect, should 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 that be your goal to sort of, like, design your own projects and, and, and put them out and, and just hold on to them? Um, or I mean, we kind of mentioned it, right, that this is an alternative practice to architecture. So, like, right. it's not the the answer i guess or the model for everyone yeah yeah i think that's the better question that it's not for everyone um and you know this kind of one question that i didn't really ask yet but i kind of got answered through you know last the part one and then now part two but that relationship that you have with a client sometimes when Cause it could be, you know, in part one, I kind of was like, oh, the clients sometimes will be the, the road, the biggest roadblock to right. the project, but there's also the good, I guess, the good clients are, you know, those projects that are because of the client has like a very specific, um, specific need or <clears throat> they're, they're just, just as passionate about the architecture as the architect. That it helps to drive the project and you know that doesn't really i mean can you talk a little bit about how that i guess in the in this model you have to be your own like critic right like because who's really who's really your client yeah or who are you going to for advice or you know like right uh so let's give an example of look we're we're in a fringe city uh, maybe like Barrio Logan, and they have these uh, deeply rooted cultural values, these um, scenarios that, you know, have, th- and I'm going back to your gentrification episode, but now as the architect and the developer, you have an opportunity to kind of plant the seed. Uh, your client is now the community. You know, you're still working under those parameters and you're not going to put something so obtrusive that it's going to it's going to create backlash for your own project because in the end, that's just going to hurt you, right? Yeah. So you're still creating these design decisions that are hopefully invigorating the community and, and um, strategically having these decisions that help both parties and I, I think even that was kind of like the, the first the first go at it right because that's that's what you're going to be doing you're going to be creating your own project in, in uh, a specific context you're also working with with the city you're also working with your partners you're also working with your investors you're also working with your general contractors mm-hmm. treat those equally treat those individuals equally because you know you're also making decisions with them 
if there's any funny businesses with the bank, they're not going to finance you. If there's anything that's skewed with your general contractor, he's going to build it wrong. And, it, and then it goes back on you. You're going to have to come up with that cost. You're going to have to figure out where to make time for those decisions. And so it, I think it's an equal balance. I think you're still making the same response as you would a client telling you that these are your parameters, this is the budget, this and that. You're just telling yourself that. Right. So bigger exposure to failure, bigger risk, hopefully bigger reward. Um, and I'm saying hopefully because this is just to go back, you know, I can't really speak for myself yet. I haven't had a finished product that I could brag to you guys about. But um, looking into it, it's it's uh, it's a balance, right? You're, you're, it's all the responsibilities of an architect, still almost the same exposure to risk, and then making sure that these decisions are, are level-minded for not only you, but for the, the parties that are going to be exposed to this. So it's interesting that you mentioned that, for example, with Barrio Logan, the community is your client. Um, how important, or I mean, I guess it is, it is important, but um, how do you evaluate the risk of going to an area that you don't know? For example, you know, like I, I heard like Sigu has a quote that you go, you only look for properties within like a, I don't know, like five mile radius or something like that. He, he says, or uh, this might be an old quote, but it's about understanding, understanding the city or understanding the area that you're in uh, very well. And I know, like, if it's if say for example, I don't know if it is, but say if San Diego is getting saturated with a lot of developers, do you go look for somewhere else where there's more opportunity, but you don't know that area very well? Um, how do you? How do you go about understanding that area more in depth as you would, like, say, a Barrio Logan or a Golden Hill or a North Park? Yeah, I think that question goes back to uh, personal value and what is it that you want for yourself. Uh-huh. I think the under, that's the underlying message for, for developing your own projects, too, is that you really cater it towards your own personal goals. If you want that romantic desert shack in the middle of you know the Mojave, go get it. Because ultimately, like you're going to be the one who's going to care for it the most. No one is going to invest in that whatever vision that you have for it. If you want a cabin up in the mountains, go go develop in the mountains. If you want to stay in San Diego, stay in San Diego and make it work. Because uh, you may see that, and this is answering the second part of your question, you're, you're doing your comparables as much as you can. You're trying to hedge that bet as much as you can. And so you're trying to buy, find these values where it works for you, it works for your family, it works for all the responsibilities that you have. And you're saying, okay, I might not be able to invest in the best and number one location, but what if I go to number two and number three location in an area that I want to be in? And I think I think the message you were talking about, about Jonathan Siegel, is don't live more than 15 minutes away from yeah, where your project is. Right. Right? Yeah, that's, that's what it was. And that's so that you could carry on this kind of relationship that you have with the project because if if you're an hour two hours a thousand miles away from a project and you're hiring these project managers and property managers and all these operations to uh, maintain this this vision that you had they're not going to care for it as much as you yeah and and it's it's difficult to rely not to say you know that everyone's doesn't care about other people's projects, but 
you're going to be the one that wants it the most. Of course. You know? And so that, I think that's, that's where that message is coming from is be on top of it through all phases, through the design, through the construction, be there when, when shit hits the fan so that you could, it's your responsibility. You know, when it comes down to it, yeah. if, if columns aren't lining up this and that, and you could have been there to, to tell the general contractor and you had the ability as a developer to tell the contractor, look, tear this shit down, build it again and make it right. Yeah. By the way, this is coming out of your pocket because right. I made sure it was then like think about that heartburn that you're saving yourself yeah and then the end product once you get that certificate of occupation of of being able to occupy the building you're gonna know like behind that drywall or exposed column or whatever that it used to be six inches off but now it's just like this nice aligned uh rhythm that that you visualized from the get-go you peace know, of mind less stress <laughs> so yeah peace of mind definitely yeah, that that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I have a question that kind of I thought about last night, <laughs> but but I was you might not be able to answer it. But um, do you think this model was a survival mechanism, like back in the day when the Ted Smiths were like starting off? Because now we're here now, and we can we have choices, right? We we can be the architect that gets into Gensler or like, you know, does the big UCSD projects. Um, we can be the type that, you know, the paper architect, quote unquote, just doing competitions, whatever. There's, you know, we, we have just like different routes, but yeah, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. If the, the model was uh, like a means more, more of a survival yeah like means. if they were just you know they were licensed and then they were you know like well what now like I'm not getting any phone calls so I need to do something and then yeah I mean for, for Ted's situation I know that it, it was a, sur- a means of survival and that um, people just stopped calling his office mm-hmm. and he stopped getting work and in his personal life you know, if you're looking at one means as survival and you're not able to afford something, but you have this creative uh, talent, you start to swing for the fences, right? And so <laughs> out of it was his go-home. Um, and the go-home is is really this... I mean, I that's another podcast, another time, but it, it's definitely like this intricate intricate but simple means of providing housing and that's how he got started with his developer career is that he and his friends would get together and they would pitch in you know x amount of money and they'd be able to afford their own dwelling units under one roof type thing and that's mm-hmm. I, I think that's like the most simple way to put it but that was because of the situation he was in mm-hmm. you know he had to he had to get very creative with um, utilizing his his skills to um, provide for himself, and yet also strike the the check boxes for for what he valued out of the profession. Um, for students and and employees that work for the bigger firms, this and that, you know, 
I guess for my, I'll, I'll speak for, for my personal observations. Like this, this was my means to, I think it is in a way a survival tool too, but I'm trying to figure out how this can be sustainable for um, long-term type things. You know, I, I don't have issues working for firms. I don't, because I think there are some really great firms to work for. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, if I could have this either run parallel or this becomes my career too, I'm, I'm totally open to that. It's, it's just projecting in the future too, that this is a very, this is, you know, this is almost as sweet as it gets because you're, you're creating your own buildings. You're, you're in charge of it. You're accepting that responsibility, but it's, um, for me, it's, it's more of a lifestyle long-term deal too. Do you think it's also related to, <clears throat> so since um, the career has evolved, the architect has kind of diluted its role in, I guess, society in general, going back to, you know, the master builder, it used to be the master builder, and now we kind of, kind of like, there's a dumbed down version of like, we just, you know, some people interpret us as just like, you know, do you guys just do drawings, you know, to get a permit? Uh, as far as that like there's no there's no like a lot of people look at us as there's no value in even hiring an architect you know what i mean yeah i mean for the majority of the built stuff that's out there you know like track homes all this um strip mall type stuff like i don't think there's yeah there's like a an architect just a structural guy and yeah i think uh what was it like rem cool said that it was like 80 percent of of the no, it was Frank Gehry, right? It was a Frank Gehry quote. And he was talking about a seminar that like 80% of like the built work is not, it's not done by an architect. Um, so do you, do you feel it's more, a lot of it has to do with kind of taking back that role as a master builder? As a, I mean, let's look at our region, San Diego in general, and you look at the 20% that is designed by an architect and then the even smaller percentage that's architect who owns the building and you could see, you could almost pick them out, like while you're driving down the street, you know. So, why that is, I mean, that goes back even to Abel's question about uh, survival. And so, if you have this type of opportunity, and then you see how, what the outcome is in your city, yeah, it's, it's like it's a no-brainer, right? Yeah. Like you could totally recognize when, again, good spatial value, good planning is is involved, and I think they really do invigorate the city because some of them are very aggressive with with how they design. Some of them are like you'll see like a bright red building, and, and you'll hear backlash from the community all day. But how many people from the community have actually experienced it and come out to say like, oh, okay? I walked through it. I still wasn't impressed. Like I, I still haven't heard that, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. So a lot of it's first impression. Um, we are a very, very small group. Architects in general are a very small group because right. I spoke to Abel about the type of clients that are needed to afford a, an architect and how architects are reliant upon their clients. If their clients' finances aren't straight, then the architect doesn't get paid. And if the architect doesn't get paid, their employees don't get paid. And, you know, that's that's huge. You know, and that's the reality of it is that your clients have to love you. And even if you're a developer, the neighborhood has to love you. You know, it's like they have to invest in you. They have to trust that you're going to be able to make 
good decisions with their money with with their neighborhood so yeah it's like architects why they're why they're the smallest percentage i don't know but you know flip the script it's like that's 20 percent of great spatial and understanding of how cities grow cool yeah i mean for me my personal opinion is that um like what Abel was talking about, survival method. I think it's a survival method for all architects should consider. Just think, you know, just because we already went through it, you know, when the economy went down, yeah. the, like there were no jobs, you know. I mean, and, and real estate has always been uh, sort of like a thing that generates money or, you know, holds value or, or, or makes you uh, comfortable. Well, it's an investment. Yeah. It like is an investment, that's... yeah. So, I mean... You know, like there's still the possibility that you know that the economy will go down again, or it could happen. Or, you know, let's face it, our careers are not very stable in that matter because we rely so much on construction. But mm-hmm. by taking, you know, back, like by taking our own projects back, for example, if you're holding on like two or three like um, income generating properties, then if the economy goes down, then maybe you'll be okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. What do you think about that? About sort of like understanding the market. Uh, Everyone needs to own two or three buildings <laughs> to make uh, it in America. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, as far as architects go, you know, yeah. because yeah, I mean, other, like, other professions will be okay, might be okay, you know. I don't, I don't know, but we rely so much on it that um, I just I remember I got out of school in 2013 and it was still like barely coming back up, and it was really hard to find a job. Yeah. Um, that's you know those are big topics of why I examine this program, and there there is great opportunity from this. I think uh, it's very difficult for someone to see architecture in this light too, especially when you know sometimes the end goal for someone else was was really different, and it's just like working in a firm is just kind of what they wanted to do, especially if they're doing work that they really really enjoy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, they'll find a way to make it happen regardless developers it's the same thing it's it's you're gonna find a way to to get the project done and i think it's super hard to impose the developer mentality on all architects too um because this probably goes back to why business isn't pronounced in school is because not everyone is a businessman and not everyone is a leader not everyone, I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it, not, like not everyone's a go-getter. Right. Everyone's, there's people that are content, and there's nothing wrong with being content. Right. If you could live your life and you, and you could work and you could say like, hey, I get to do architecture five days out of the week, I'm good with that, and then I get to enjoy my free time, that's good. That's valid, you know? And if you say like, I want to eat, breathe, and shit architecture, you got to do development because right. that's what it is. Like you're, you're working however many hours you can to get that project done masochist <laughs> <laughs> no yeah totally um yeah kind of, that kind of like go that's with a lot of careers right like you have to put in the work if you really want it otherwise you know why even do it just kind of settle yeah yeah i mean that's probably the when they talk about like the difference between a job and a career the, yeah. the career takes over you know like because you know we all get off I mean, look at what we're doing right now. This is Sunday, <laughs> Sunday morning, morning <laughs> eating donuts and talking about architecture. Yeah, we must like it a lot. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, like getting, getting out of work and maybe, I mean, yeah, for me right now, it's like, you know, I jump 
on this, do a little editing, you know, check on the website, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but I forgot what we were... <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Just that, the, you know, the... Oh, okay. So that, that it's the difference between a job and a career, right? Like, yeah. That, yeah, there's that... There's that person that's not, um, yeah, it's, con- you know, it's content. Like that's, and even, I mean, I envy that person, right? Because like, <laughs> you know, yeah, cause I'm over here like itching and trying to like, oh shit, like, like, I need to do this. Yeah. I need, I need to, to yeah. like, let's look at doing podcasting. Let's look at, you know, development, um, right. competitions. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's called ambition. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I don't know if you talked to I only got like halfway through I don't know if you talked about um, kind of like your personal goals or if you even want to talk about it yeah like why you you know like what what are your what style you're looking at like what what are you you know like are you looking to hold on to something or are you trying to resell or kind of build wealth like that or yeah I think that you're, you're touching on uh, two different topics for me because one of them is the lifestyle goal mm-hmm. and then the other is the product that I want to generate so how do those how do those two play with each other yeah. and so for me the program right now is good timing for my personal life because um, I I'm looking to buy or acquire a home mm-hmm. right for me and my family Mm-hmm. And so is there a development opportunity for that? Because it's, you know, you're dealing with real estate, you're doing things like that. And so how do we, how do we get to use the architectural intellect and apply it to that situation? And what is that going to do for me? One, right? It's going to put a roof over my head. If I was going to buy a house, I was going to buy a house anyway. Right. Right. So <laughs> we're in San Diego and it's, what is it? June fourth, June third, today. June third. June third. Yeah, I, I was talking to real estate agents three days ago, and they're saying this bubble might pop next week. <laughs> like that's kind of weird to hear, especially from someone who hasn't bought a home before, yeah. and they're just trying to understand real estate. And right? how do they know that? You know, how do they know that? Nobody I, knows. I talked to my professors, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we've seen this before. We waited for that for someone to say that three years ago, and it just kept going up." Yeah. San Diego right now in the stock market you know like yeah I can't I don't have specific numbers but yeah people there was a lot of people that have been like oh it's gonna pop anytime anytime and then it just hasn't yeah yeah and I think there's so many different things to consider right now if if I'm looking to incorporate development into this um first first one would be the first project I'd like to get into would be a house and the way you add value is to add density and I'll keep it at that, you know, just, just to, to tease whoever's listening to this, you know, how to figure that out. But long-term goal, I spoke to Abel about how many hobbies I had, I have like way too many hobbies that I'm just like invested into. And so I, I like spending time for my hobbies because those are the things that I, I would do whether people force me to do it or not. Right. And how do I get to that point in my life faster? And so development was a way for me to do that. And, you know, there are possibilities to, to, re, to reach my, uh, milestones like financial independence and potentially retirement, you know. 
I, I like to like this, like I like to educate people. I, for me, I, I told Abel this before, but it's like the more you give, the more you get back. Yeah. Um, and so if I could spend time doing this and all my other hobbies while still making a living for myself, architecture and development gives me that opportunity. And so those are, those are big time goals that I'm shooting for. Cool. So just kind of interesting that going back to your um, talking to real estate agents, how, how, uh, uh, how involved are you with, with those uh, guys that say in the, in the program or, you know, um, they're your homies yeah <laughs> yeah you like like i said it's like it like architecture as developer sounds so like like a fun thing to do but they're your clients yeah you got to take care of them so that they could take care of you you know it, and you're relying on them to give you uh like going back to the real estate agent you're you're going to a real estate agent to tell them very specific parameters of what you're looking for if they're giving you like properties that are unpermitted or have like cease and assists from the city or this and that they're not doing their job and they're wasting your time and then eventually you know they're wasting your 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 energy yeah so um there's so many people and and you know like think of the think of the architectural model itself and how you're coordinating with yeah. with uh the city with the contractor with the client and then add like 15 more people into that as a developer, your partner, your investor, your bank, <laughs> you know, your, your agent, your broker, your lawyer, so that someone doesn't sue you, your lawyer, so that like your contracts are straight. Like though, I think those are, are <laughs> you just took the architectural model and then you just kind of injected it with steroids and it became this, this monster of all these responsibilities that now you have to, to grasp and not so much like you have to trust them to, to do their job too. Right. Because they're they're gonna understand like oh he's he's an architect and he's he's doing his own projects, but you have to trust that they're they're taking care of you in that yeah. regard, and it's a very different client that they're probably used to. So yeah, it's it's very intimate. Nice. Well, I'm just uh, gonna throw that question out there because I hear it a lot. I mean, I I understand it, but for you know like a lot of people who don't or like you know students, some students listen to this and like how. How much do those guys really work of those guys really do you know uh those real estate agents because i always hear people saying um yeah like i don't even need a real estate agent you know and uh i understand that there's a there's a value to a good one yeah different for everyone i think if if they already have the real estate know-how and know how to get through the resources um and they're okay with spending that time and energy to do that then by all means, that's one that's one person that is is taking up time from you. But you know, if that's again, like if you're good with with construction, you know, there's you're just trying to build your own network and make right. trying to make it very efficient. Yeah, because I'm assuming there's like a particular niche of uh, real estate agents because you're looking for a certain type of properties that you know that you're gonna be able to develop and you're gonna be able to actually get. Um, a red, I think a, a real estate agent is like a real life, like red fin or online resource that we have today. You know, you're going to set your filters. You're going to say like, I won't look at anything that's under this price range right. in this zoning, in this neighborhood and go find it and come back with 
like five iterations next week you know (laughs) and then you pick and you're like oh that one's close to the cemetery this one's right on top of a freeway oh this one looks like i could walk the dog at night yeah and then you say okay let's let's go tour it and then you find out like oh someone put in a cash offer like while you were sleeping last night yeah and you start the whole thing again in the morning and it's just like that's why you want a real estate agent because you know they're they're gonna know things that you don't know you're gonna know things that they don't know and you're just playing you're playing that relationship as hard as you can you know because um the more you push for it the more serious that they're gonna know like oh this guy really needs to find something and so if to make it worth their while they're gonna go find that product for you while you're figuring out your architectural duties and your developer duties and you guys go through those exercises like at the it's on you it's it's really on you and that's that's the whole thing about being a go-getter is that you have to do it yourself and it it's if you haven't done it before it's very intimidating yeah very intimidating because you're starting to release personal information to them you're you're going out there and they're asking you questions that you might not know but you know that's that's how you get your feet wet and you get to dial it in i mean that's the beauty of architects is that we know repetition will eventually lead to molding something that we understand right and it's like okay now i know the questions to ask for the next situation it's all like it's all learning lessons and i don't ever want to just be okay with like these are the straight terms you know if if i get to my fifth project i'm still going to be doing the same thing because i keep i want to keep learning like that's just the profession in general i think is the beauty of it is that it doesn't stop i talk about being content like for me it's it's always being content for me is being able to learn a lesson from the last the last project right yeah i can see how somebody could just not even be interested you know i'd rather like sit here and just do drawings or do modeling in an office they go through all that headache you know yeah Yeah, but like you said you have to be a go-getter and you really have to want it you know it's interesting so would you like what would you say to let's say a student that's in like fifth year right now and they and they're like and they're like kind of debating like you know what i really don't want to go work for an office even somebody like because there's the students i feel like sometimes we see students that have been at school but have no experience they haven't done like an internship or anything that was me that was me too (laughs) that was like i didn't even i knew like after graduating i knew i was i knew what was in front of me you know i knew what it was going to be like yeah like sure i didn't know what projects i was going to be working on but i knew what the environment this the office environment looked like yeah um so maybe even for the student that yeah for you basically for you if i told fifth year my like fifth year self yeah that's a better question like like, what would you tell what would you tell when what year did you graduate i do Three years ago. Three years ago. Oh, barely through. Wow. So what would you tell your your fifth year self right now if you could back in time? And I think just I'd keep talk my mouth shut, to be honest, <laughs> because like in, it's it's crazy to say, but I didn't even know what the MRED program was as a fifth year student at Woodbury. Right. That's kind of, a, you know, it's just like you should, it pertains, it was a master's of architecture program, like, and the the campus in San Diego is only architecture. Like, why didn't I know about that? Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I, I, I didn't find out about it until two years later and I, it's still striking to me, but it's hard for me to give advice to fifth year Jeremy because I'm here now. 
you know, I went through, I did something that I wanted to do straight out of school, which was to learn how to design and build. And I got to work with a really close mentor, Mickey Iwasaki, and build furniture. Like, I really loved being in the shop day in, day out. And um, I, I told Abel, like, that's where it sparked my interest to kind of own my own business. Yeah. Right? If I had my own workshop, I could get clients to, to purchase or commission me for custom furniture, like, I could do that for the rest of my life just because I like being in that, that, uh, environment. And then it's like, well, long, you got to look back at long-term goals. It's like, I wanted to be an architect, you know, I want to be a licensed architect. And, but then going back and so like, I still want to own my own practice. So, okay. Work for the small guys that own their own practice. And then it's like, I'm going through that and I'm, I'm realizing I'm learning like this isn't that sustainable. Like, developers coming in the door like screaming in the architect's ear and then it's just like well then he gets to run his own business build his own projects hire an architect i'm already an architect why can't i be that guy too and so now i'm i'm in the program right it's just Mm -hmm. like it was all just stepping stones to to get here i didn't think it would occur that way i didn't know the timeline of things um it just happened right it happened because i wanted these goals and ambitions for myself and the, the MRED program kind of encapsulated a lot of these ideals. Um, but it was like that natural, organic yeah. want to, to have these goals for myself. Yeah. Um, if, if I had advice, you know, just check it out. If these things, if these types of items click for you, if, if what we're saying kind of like turns the light bulb in your head and you're saying like, what are you talking about? You know, it's, mm-hmm. Or even if it makes you discover that the the profession after school is kind of different than what you thought it would be, right. then listen to like go listen to a podcast, go go look this up online, or just get your you know the same with the real estate agent. Just start pushing at it to see if this is what you like to do, or if. Because redundancy is going to ultimately pay off. You're gonna you're gonna come to a fork in the road where it's like, nah, this guy is just like saying things that I don't even want to deal with, or it's just like, oh man, I I thought that's what would, that's what architecture was all along, you know, was was being even in this position. Even in would say go experience the buildings, you know. I mean, that's yeah. kinda, like go go like there's so many of them here. It's like, well, I mean, there are some here in San Diego. That was the thing. We'd go tour buildings in in undergrad, and I wouldn't know that the architect owned it. You know, it's like, oh, you, you were like, well, who's your client? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I remember touring Ted Smith's, um, off of, in Little Italy. Essex? Off of, yeah. The Essex. Essex yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or Essex Lofts. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I don't think I ever, yeah. I mean, he, he gave us the tour, but there was no talk about, oh, here's what my Excel spreadsheet looks like. Or, right. Uh, like. Right. But he talked about being the owner and all that, right? No, I think so. like I thought, Unless... I thought he scored a sweet deal where he, like he got commissioned, really, and he was able to get like a unit out of it or something like. When that. When we got the tour, he talked about it. Dude. He went deep into the Emirate thing. But like, even if you say the word pro forma, like yeah, that doesn't. I don't know <laughs> what that is. Yeah, too. is that like the company that you go to? Yeah. Like, you know, it's like I don't know what that is. I think it's really important to like, like you're saying, experience as as far as like a. Um, an architecture student, maybe, because I remember when I when I, I got my first architecture job out of school. Um, actually, uh, John Linton, I don't know if you remember him, he gave it to me, and shout out to my boy John. He, uh, 
he he's the one who uh, I was looking for a place to live, and, and he told me about Mike and kind of like because him and Mike were really close, or I don't know if they still are. And he told me that Mike Burnett, and he told me that uh, yeah, go check out check this out over here, and and, and I applied and I started living in one of his units back then at the Counterpoint Building, and for me that was kind of like eye opening, just talking to Mike and like talking and seeing that building and living there. It was just like it was a That's sweet a nice deal. building, yeah. And uh, it was a sweet, it was a sweet deal for me, just as far as like being in that environment and experiencing and knowing that an architect owns it and runs it and like he's in charge of everything. It just like it's it's, it's almost eye opener, you know. Yeah. Like this is po- this is a possibility, and this is like sustainable. So I guess like summarizing what kind of what you said is like even like just what you think your career path wants to be just kind of like go for those like you know small the small offices the um and i don't know i would say like maybe like as far as for myself like when i graduated i was so worried about like paying my student loans and like you know like kind of like surviving like because there's no way i can go back to my mom's house or to pay my rent all this stuff that's in your head like as far as everybody you know like don't be so scared to just kind of like maybe you know like make less than what you expect you know like go and work for those like smaller firms that you think that's what you want to do like just try it like you're saying because a lot of people just want to go for like the Genslers or you know the bigger offices where, where it's going to be a little bit more um i don't know like secure as, as far as your job goes yeah you know? speaking to those people that pursue i mean when when i hear my former colleagues saying like oh i want to work for the bigger firms they use revit or it's like <laughs> like what does it matter how does that i don't know it's just different goals you know? yeah yeah i think it's different goals because i've had similar <laughs> conversations where yeah i think i mentioned that already at 1.1 episode where i was like uh conversation was like oh what do you guys what software do you guys use at the office and i'm like Dude, I don't, like that's not that and, like i don't really care about that you know yeah. i want to learn like what the yeah how do you guys get clients or how like you know but that but that's what i'm saying that's the mentality when you're getting out of school you get so caught up on like software because i remember me and hector used to talk about like oh no maya's the future yeah, you know yeah, like yeah. you know just maya's like the future. Yeah, like yeah, all this uh, like you things you know spaces like, I, yeah I did, yeah I that's similar you know so if you like that's what i'm you know hopefully like students will listen to this like there's more important shit out there than just like software you know that's just a tool yeah. it's like a pen and yeah, paper or whatever you know there's I wish I knew about these resources too, like in school. It's like, how do you tell uh, people who are in the academic environment that, you know, there are people who graduated three, four, five years out and they're kind of like you in the future, right? You, yeah. <laughs> like, I would have loved to hear something like this. Yeah. You know, you're, this is this is really something special, I think, to be part of. Is just like, yeah, you could ask an architect who's been working, practicing for 20 years what he thinks. And then it's just like, oh, okay, so like I got to start off as a draftsman and work my way, and then things will happen, right? But man, like in this day and age, it's just like I'm excited for the student that gets to listen to this, and this gets to just spark that first intuition about alternative alternative methods outside of the traditional realm, because um, it's it's real. Like once you get out there, it's just like you you start fishing. And, you, you know, you got to figure out a way to make it work. Yeah. Because I, I think myself, I was fortunate that within two, three years, I, I caught it. And I'm like, okay, 
how does the trickle down effect work in the architecture profession, right? It's it's ultimately your client who's going to be able to give you the work, you know, and who's affording the architects? Right. Who could afford to, to give an architect repeat repeat work, you know? Yeah. And then what takes down the client? Do they do they fail in a recession? Do they not do so hot? But then how do they survive? You know, how come they're all they're, like when the recession kicks up, they're giving you money again? Like where did they get all this money? And so you're like, well, you're, yeah, yeah, the client's usually fine. <laughs> yeah, they just you know they cut they back. Cut, one of the they cut back. Is the architects? You know, architects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of scary to hear. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, so yeah, it's projecting like you're just kind of like going down the road and seeing what this potentially could lead to. Uh, it's it's great that you know in San Diego in this program your mentors are people who are actually doing it. Yeah, I think it's important to emphasize like to those um, students or whoever is interested that it's an alternative method of architecture because like for example yourself um, there are people open open to that that don't want to go the traditional path and they seek something else you know something that that sparks their mind more like for example yourself you know you say you, you were interested in, in building working in the shop a lot instead of just sitting at a desk yeah. so that's an alternative path as well like mm-hmm. uh, I know like installation work what well, it's another path you know that yeah. students take yeah. or like just as far as like people who work for you know that guy Basil who just he just does like you know uh, interior you know work and in, in restaurants you know? even he has development going on oh he does yeah. Yeah, so like I mean, I, I'm I'm just like I guess where I'm getting at. This is like just another form. It's just like more of a a bigger monster than that, you know. Um, but yeah, like if if you could spark those people, or you could talk to those people. I mean, I think those it would be a good route for them too, you know. Somebody who's more ambitious and wants to do something else besides go and work for a firm and just sitting there and and taking on one role, <laughs> uh, just their whole time there. Yeah, and you're really at the forefront of things. You know, going back to topics that you guys have discussed in the past about gentrification and studio culture, and you know, all you, you guys had all these conversations, but they all play into even what I'm experiencing now. Yeah, MRED is a student-based format. You know, it's I just had a desk crit on Friday. I, I mean, it's funny to say, you know, I'm in thesis. I had a desk crit. You know, I'm sure these terms resonate with people in undergrad, and it, it makes it uh, so applicable as an architect to practice. Because then you're you're still encapsulating that type of atmosphere into ownership of your own work. Like, isn't that the best thing? Yeah. That you get to still practice and compete yeah. with your colleagues and bounce ideas in student in studio format, and and still, you know, look at the while looking at the perform of the spreadsheets, the finances. It's I, I I'm next to the bandsaw and I'm figuring out like. <laughs> okay, my massing model still has to be like this. And it's like, man, you, you wouldn't think after graduating yeah. that you'd ever be in a workshop again, you know? It's like, where's my coffee? Where's my keyboard? And, like, why isn't Ryan, uh, Revit 2018 starting up? Oh, I didn't do that update, you know? Yeah. This, is the, this is the best. Yeah. Like, I, for me, I'm living it, you know? It's just like, oh, I, I got to, like, bust out the trace, yeah. figure out, like, if that cantilever on that second yeah. floor is really going to, like make I, or break this project. I think that's really important for longevity in uh, in our careers because I'm just telling people out there that once you get out of school, like right now, you're probably you're fewer like in thesis right now. You hate school and you just want to get it over with mm-hmm. and want to get out. 
tell you right now, like two years out of school, you're going to be like, fuck, I wish I was back, you know? I wish I was back in the studio. <laughs> yeah. I wish I was, like, designing again because uh, yeah. you're probably going to be, you know, like, doing CDs or doing schematic design, like, you know, like, over and over and over again. If I mean, if that's the route that you go, if you find a job that pays your bills. So, I think... Well, traditional practice, that's what you got to do. Yeah. You know, you there's to nothing... move up. Yeah. So, like, what I'm saying is, like, your model seems more like it's going to keep you more interested you know, longer than just uh, taking the traditional path. And I do miss that. You know, I, do, I miss that a lot going through the process of, you know, like how do you incorporate that sort of culture into your own practice, you know, which seems like you're doing, you know, like the design process. The design process is not the same once you get out of school, you know, like right. we we get, we used to get to do diagrams. We used to do like massing <laughs> models, we did, which you're doing right now, you know, and it seems like yeah. it's very interesting. And well, so, it is because, you know, you're pitching this to investors to banks you're showing yeah. them a render right your render if it's like if it's shitty line work and like wrong colors the bank's going to be like you expect that to generate yeah. x amount of value in that neighborhood like all the buildings in that neighborhood are brown with yeah. spanish roofs you know it's like what are you thinking or if you're pitching it to uh, uh someone who's potentially going to buy your building and they could you could show them like an eighth scale model and they're holding it and they're like, oh yeah, I can totally yeah. see. Like, this is where the presentation takes place. This is where you make the most out of, this is where you utilize uh, studio culture as a platform for you to be successful as your own practice. Like, it's the brilliance of it. You already know how to talk in front of a panel of jurors, right? Imagine one of them's now an attorney, one of them's a banker, one of them's a potential investor or partner. Right. It all, it's all synced. There's nothing that's askewed from it. There's you're not doing anything different. Everything, the only attribute that I've added was my knowledge of spreadsheets. <laughs> yeah, you know, but everything else, like you were still supposed to write a contract between you and your general contractor, you and your client. Right. You know, it's there's there's nothing. That's that's what I appreciate so much as getting into the development is that nothing's really changed. If anything, it's exemplified like these small tasks or responsibilities that I thought were going to phase out after school. Yeah. It's actually strengthened them. And now these are these are real tools. You know, I have to rely on a, a physical model. I have to rely on my renders to, to really carry my project. And it, it's, it's really smooth. You know, there's there's very little friction between yeah. studio format and really like getting into your own projects. And I, I know I make it sound really easy. But <laughs> it's really the tools that you're relying on. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really good even for your own, like, um, I guess, like sanity. <laughs> Just because, like, I, I no, like, I remember in school, like, I was really like at peace when I, you know, like, even like talking to Catherine, she would always emphasized um, working with your hands and then working on pen and paper. And then working on the computer, it's kind of like a motion, you know, yeah. like that, that tra those transitions right there, like kind of keep, keeps you sane and understanding like what you're doing, really understanding what you're mm -hmm. doing, you know, like I, I found myself like after school working um, at an office and just like not knowing what the fuck is going on. I'm just like drawing, you know, like what they tell me to draw. And it's just like, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of sad, you know, and I thought about it and just kind of like, you know, it made me a little bit depressed. Um, just the fact that I'm just like, I'm just there as a, like a, a machine, just like doing this thing that's generating somebody else's like money. This doing this project that I might that I would never do on my own, you know. Like, 
that I wouldn't never be happy with, but I'm just like there for the for the paycheck. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's one thing I forgot to mention too is that my uh, some of the reasoning to to go outside of the traditional realm was kind of like the anger that I had <laughs> while like realizing the the actual. You know, it was my the first real architectural gig was me and an architect. It was just the two of us, right? right. And he he had been working for a while as uh, a, just a practicing architect who would wait by the phone and, and get phone calls. calls yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's just like this can't be. I just I I vividly remember I'm like there's no way like 20 years from now I'm gonna be licensed and pretty much be doing the same thing right you know and it's just like what is the value in this and then you all you come to that realization that like you had all these grandiose ideals in school or even even when you when I know you guys had different instances of when you first realize you wanted to pursue architecture right yeah. and there's probably like that first vision it's like yeah that's that's why i want it <laughs> and like i'm just I, I just remember sitting in front, of, in front of the computer in that office i'm like geez man this is this is not what i thought it was going to be right you know and you have to have again going back to content it's just like are you okay with that like you are going to get a check you know to hopefully that architect pays you right but you are going to get that check and it's just like, yeah, this is all you, you, on one hand, you'd be like, this is all I have to do, you know, just get the work done, like get this permitted and you understand the process. But then you have to realize too, like there's that other side of it. It's like, don't you want more out of this? Yeah. And that's what, that's what kicked it off for me. You know, it was just, was that instant right there. It's just like, you know, I got to just see what else is out there because it, it was, it was kind of like heartbreaking. Yeah, you know, it's just like going back to what you said about like learning all these these uh, processes in studio and how yeah. this works. And I'm just like, I, I cannot, I cannot fathom, like how any of those things that I really enjoyed are kind of into this this real world situation. You know, like how do how do I how do I get back to those goals? Yeah. How do I get back to those goals? Just keep pushing at it, keep pushing at it. So there's there's that like that that time of like anger, like get angry at yourself and yeah. just like kick your kick your own ass yeah you know because yeah it just it uh it all spawns from something yeah you know there's a just intrinsic nature that you're just gonna want to like reach out and go get something go if if that's if that's the case for you if you're feeling that way smash the gas and yeah. just do what it takes because you'll you'll start to find you know find your way to to your own to your own career yeah, because it just seems like you've spent so much time in school, like, doing these things, and, like, you enjoy them, and then you just kind of let, let go, right? But, so, yeah, I, I mean, it depends, like, some, there's some firms that have workshops, Yeah, you know, like, if you get the opportunity to still build massing molds and stuff, that's cool, Yeah, you know? But then you become the mass massing model guy, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's all you do, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know, it just really depends, um... But yeah, like for me, like my uh, another like heartbreaking moment that I had was uh, <laughs> was when because uh, you said that like hopefully the architect pays you, but I was working at a firm that was a larger firm, who shall remain nameless. Wait, was it and, in San Diego? Uh, yeah, and uh, oh, one of my one of my uh, one of my paychecks bounced, and I was like, "This is scary, man. <laughs> this is a scary business." And that's that's when I was like. 
you know, I started looking somewhere else. And you know, okay, like, let's let's take that again. Like, that's going back to the relationship. Like, you were basically the client for your firm, yeah. right? You had some value. You had value. Yeah. You had a lot of value. And for whatever reason, this firm didn't value you, because they're, if they're bouncing checks, obviously that's going to make you want to look elsewhere. Because whatever like finances they got in order, obviously isn't isn't checking out. If they're a larger firm in San Diego. That means that they're probably like, where are they spending their resources? Yeah. You know, are they in some fancy high rise where rents X amount uh-huh. and they can't even afford to pay their, their employees. own employees? Yeah. Like those are the things, you know, it's, you were their client Yeah. because if you're gone, then how are they getting work done? Yeah. Right. That's kind of like, that's operating in, in, in my sense. Yeah. You know, like, although you have control over everything, everyone kind of just becomes your client too. Yeah. That's interesting. It's a good model to follow. It's going back to giving architects respect. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, why you, you start to examine why it's only ten percent this and that. It's like everyone kind of needs their own cut of the pie. Yeah. And like we're we're time traditional model is time based services, right? So it's if we need them type thing, and then if we need them means that we are a cost. Yeah. If we don't need them, we cut architecture fees out. You know. And so, yeah, that's true. But then it's just like, there goes our value. Yeah. <laughs> that's really what we're relying on. Yeah. You know, is, is the, is the, uh, the client to observe our, our value in, in the whole schematics. Of the yeah, we got to like maintain that value, you know, otherwise there's just no point. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's a bigger topic, you know, just, like, yeah, that's another podcast in the yeah, top right there. Just the value that people, <clears throat> Like, might might have or might not have of architecture, you know? Because I don't think, I mean, I'm speaking from, you know, my family and, like, when I... Because if you ask, like, a regular person off the street, like... What's an architect do? No, not even that, just, like... What's an architect? No, what <laughs> is a good building to you? Or, you know, like, describe good architecture, let's say. Yeah. They might not have a a good answer they might give you like some stupid like oh, a house the in the suburbs well Spargo Bank or you know a big house in the suburbs yeah <laughs> yeah yeah totally oh yeah like the more I learn about the the program it's like the more the more I want to do it like what you know it just totally makes sense to me you know I mean I know that not everybody be interested but that's like I mean like why wouldn't you you know it's not easy yeah, as much as I glorify this, like all right, I'm out. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, for I, sure. Like, like on the on the top three things that need to get done to perform under this, it's you know it takes money to make money, and there's no way there's no way around it, whether it's from your own pocket or you're you're looking for investors yeah. or someone to partner with you, you're still looking for someone you know who's going to trust you, right? You know, and are you okay with sacrificing someone else's money? Are you okay with being responsible with someone else's money? Yeah. You are taking a certain amount of risk. You know, I try to keep this positive attitude because I, I feel like positive positivity leads to more positivity, right? Oh, for sure. I, especially yeah. in this profession. It's yeah. just like, you got to make sure, you know, you're covering all your bases too. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, it's all fun and games until <laughs> Shit hits you. Yeah. <laughs> And that's what it comes down to. You know, you go over budget, it's money. If you if you start to add like nice finishes, it's money. Yeah. It's it's uh it's very business driven. 
it's very architecturally reliant and I, you know those are two things that I, I hold very true and high to myself I know you guys talked about this a little bit mm-hmm. uh, but uh, how do you maintain sort of like because I know you have to maintain some sort of income while you're doing this uh, yeah. do, you, do you keep a full time job or do you like work part time or yeah I work I work part time now during school and uh, again that's kind of finessing the career that I had for myself so um, first phase was working for something that I like to do, right? Second phase was how do I how do I start to work for myself and how do I learn that work for another person? And then now it's like, okay, now I've realized that I want to own my own projects. So uh, my resources now are, are branching to people who are doing the same thing and learning lessons from them in conjunction with going through the program and having the mentors teach me like things that took them 25 years to learn. And I'm trying to absorb all of this, but you know that's the reason why i'm going to go into a, a smaller project and try to do it by myself right is to learn all of these lessons and if it fails yeah it was a lesson learned right <laughs> like a big lesson learned but better that than being in a predicament where you're sacrificing someone else's money and you get into the litigation and this and that mm-hmm. like those are very real items yeah um so yeah to answer your question i'm i'm working up part-time while going to school for an architect developer who's doing for sale product oh, that's in, cool. in San Diego. Nice. Just uh, the second part of that, I guess, how's your workload? Uh, so like you have a job, like say working like four days a week, three, three days a week or something plus your school. So like that means that your time is really valuable and like you don't really like have a lot of time for yourself. I actually have a lot of time. You know, it's like, what are your priorities? Because eventually you're going to structure your own schedule yeah. to meet these demands. You know, it's just like if, if you're trying to grind and, and start your own project while working at the same time, you know, this is why I like it is because I get to organize my own self to, to be able to balance uh, free time, uh, pleasure and, and, and work. And it's almost to a point where I, like I enjoy for myself. It's like I enjoy like booking the tour for a potential property. You know, that's not really working for me, but it is because, yeah. you know, I'm working for myself. I'm trying yeah. to find that deal, right? I'm going, I'm hunting for it, but that's part of the process. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to the, to, to the loan officer yeah. and, you know, they, they're starting their own career. Some of them, they started when they were 18, right? Right when they were out of school and they had their own vision of owning their own business. Yeah. So it's just like, you get to be in this network of entrepreneurs and your facet is architecture where some guy it might have been finances Mm. and you're like well then how do we how do we how are we similar and how can i get resources from you how can i give you resources yeah and so when you're talking to a guy like let's say a loan officer who's like oh you you know if you want to do four units like this loan works best for you because x y and z yeah and it's like oh cool well you know i know how to develop those units to perform like this because of x y and z it's all good you know, you're just you're just sharing that wealth of knowledge in between all these people, and so yeah. um, I, I think ultimately that's what I wanted too, because it's like, yeah, you're you're spending time, right? You're you're kind of spread very thin, but for me right now, it's still all learning, and I, it's something that I enjoy. So it's not it's not so tumultuous, I think. Oh, that's good. Um, so from what I hear, like uh, I I talked to Hector. Of- uh, Hector Paris, okay. Uh, a few 
weeks ago, I think, because I've been contemplating about this for years now. Mm-hmm. And, like, I just never pulled that trigger yet, you know? And he talked about something very, very interesting to me that I feel has a lot of value. He talked about how it's just not really just a program. It sort of keeps going after, even after you graduate because you have a group of alumni that sort of stay in San Diego. Yeah. And you guys uh, have meetings and... Like, I don't know, he said something like monthly or every two months or something like that. Right. Where you guys kind of just check in with each other. Like, what are you doing? Like, what, a, how do you, how did you get past this? Or like kind of issues that come up, even like financials <laughs> or, or like, who do I go to get this type of loan? You know, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, have you experienced anything like that? Yeah, totally. And I wish it sounded like as, as fluffy as that sounded. But like, <laughs> you go visit the project sometimes and you'll hear the guy next to you saying like, Oh, where do you think that's going to drain to? Or like, <laughs> he used a four by two instead of a four by four. Yeah. And it becomes like this uh, roast between like the alumni, but it's all nice. fun because uh, on the flip side, it is uh, a, a network of resources that you can go to. Yeah. Um, Hector is actually my thesis advisor now. And so he, you know, he has his own work. And it's it's true, like you get to bounce these ideas off people and it, it goes way beyond the program because um, when you get into this mindset with other people who share the same values as you, it be, you're, now you're operating as the architect with that, that creativity, the, the financial guy with the creativity, and then you've done projects too where you've learned lessons. Yeah. Like I, I, think, I think learning the lessons and sharing that with other people is... You know, you can't put a price on that because you're sa- you're potentially saving the guy's project. You're potentially, you know, helping helping him uh, get through two to fifteen years worth of, of problem solving yeah. just because you decided to what go through that loan, construct the building that way, mm-hmm. talk to this type of partner. You know, it's yeah, it's very valid. You're you're not getting just a program. You're you're kind of building a like a very tight network of knowledge a club yeah the secret <laughs> the secret society <laughs> oh, that's cool one thing that I wanted to touch on was how being out of school and then just being not um, satisfied I guess you know, not content <laughs> with what you know what so it angry, was about dark I times think, able dark no, times like, <laughs> to me the interesting part about this is that for those people that kind of explored it as a, you know, as a, as a different mode of practice, they, I think at least most of the people that I've talked to, they arrived at at this because of, you know, having experienced, um, having those feelings of, you know, that, uh, is, is this like the best way to practice architecture that we have to like first that it's not that the architect seems to have, lost its um like value or you know whatever you want to call it that prestige or you know right and maybe it's what happened between the you know the transition between from going to school to actually working right but or even also also the other thing too is like you can go on for years without getting any of your own projects built right because you're working under somebody else and then you're you know, you might be like being shuffled from one project to another and you don't even see any of your projects that maybe they're not, you're not the architect on paper, but you might have as well have been, you know, 
any design input or yeah. any, any idea yeah, of you, brother. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. What are you guys like? thoughts about that, that i mean yeah that's part of it you know like that's kind of like what i was uh, um saying when you get stuck because i i hate that i mean where i'm at where we're at right now it's just yeah. you know it's it, it's good because we kind of like do everything yeah but i've been in the position where where we where i get like sort of stuck just doing one thing you know like this is your role and this is it you know and like this is that what really like what jeremy was talking about that kind of like pisses you off where it's just like <laughs> this is can't be it you know like i can't i can't keep on doing this you know and like as creative uh we it's almost you know there's so many people out there that are like that yeah but i'm not even in the field of architecture it's just somebody that's yeah but where, where i was you know picking up trash at the park every week they're just going doing their rounds you know by the time they get done with the last park they went to it's back to you know where they started but yeah, so like, what would it take for them to le- to get to the next level? Though, like, are they sacrificing time? Do they have that expense to to say like, all right, if I go back to school because instead of picking up trash, I want to you know do this? It's like, can they afford it? I I think it's, and it's super sensitive yeah. to to everyone, you know. And for me, like, some going to the program, you have to say that you're going to go back to school. Like architecture school is not done. Yeah. You know? Yeah, okay. So like that's what I okay, that brings up the so at least for you and me, uh Miguel, we have you know, we're on salary. I can say that I've you know, I what I earned, it's really good. You know, like I don't have to be out there like it's not a survival thing, sure. you know, to like go look out for these projects or look out for these information um yeah i mean maybe it's not even i don't know i'm just kind of thinking out loud sure what um, no but where i was getting at it's like maybe those people like don't want it they just see it as a job you know and like that's fine you know um where i was getting at it's like we're we're sort of we're not trained like that you know we don't think like that um like one thing like for example like you know going back to the school thing like we're not like, in school, they just don't teach you to, like, just, like, do models, you know? Yeah. I mean, the assignment is one thing, but then everybody kind of... Yeah, exactly. So, like... Assignment might say, you know, do a section and... Yeah, and then, like, how many... Will, you know, yeah. do a section plus a thing. Yeah, or, like, or how do you interpret a section? You know, you, you you start getting into, like, a an architect frame of mind. So, like, you you know, like, in school, you're doing, like, you're doing models, you're doing drawings, you're doing... Um, you're reading, you're reading a lot you're talking to people, you know, and then like in the job, you get stuck doing that one thing, you know, and it kind of like, it's frustrating because that's not, that's not how you think. That's not how you're trained. And, uh, yeah, it sort of leads to, to that, that, uh, those dark times. (laughs) I think there's a lot of pressure as being an architect too. I think there's a lot of students that want to explore, um, their own creativity with an architectural mindset. Uh, but then there's always this, you know, you went to architecture school, like, you. Sh- why aren't you going to become an architect type thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so people say, like, okay, then I'm going to go work for an architect. And then you're like, well, these don't exactly align to to the values that I have for the profession. Yeah, I, you're there two, three years, and you're like, well, I'm not an architect yet. Yeah. Yeah, and they, you know, like, it's, it's there's so much that's, so much pressure that's put on, on individuals to say like okay architecture school then you then it just gets started right because then you got to put in your your hours 
under apprenticeship. That's a whole nother thing. Yeah. How come our professional degree is like that? Where like like take a doctor, they have residencies where you're practicing, and it's like you're going to school too. But we can say that for another time. But then it's just like you get that, and then you got to take your tests, which could be. I mean, there there are boards, you know, yeah. or board exams. But like, there's. So then how do you take the things that you enjoyed in school, the things that you enjoyed as, as architecture, and then apply that to, to that profession under those terms, if that's how it is under traditional practice, right? Your service-based industry, you can get as creative as you want. When it comes down to it, like, if you're working for someone else, the process is going to be the same, more or less. Creativity, you know, you could, adjust, you could fine-tune those things, right? But it's, it's wanting or having that urge or just even, like, dream... I, I, dreamers yeah you know you want more out of it yeah. like as if as if we do this like nine to five as if we go to school like we're still here sunday like still yeah. talking about architecture yeah. like that's what it comes down to you know you always want more we're always kind of finessing it you know and we're doing this because why we've we found an, a, a platform to do it under our terms you know there's no sponsor here shout out to our spot potential sponsors <laughs> you know but it's because we're we're driving it it's this is small picture the, the big picture is that we're creating something for for potential yeah. academics to listen to for our kids to listen to like this is how this is how we're spreading it you know it's that it's that, i think it's that urge going yeah. back to the content like maybe the guy who like I've, I've actually spoken to a guy that picks up trash like in my neighborhood i'm like yo like how long have you been doing this he's like i've been doing this for 25 years Dang. he's make like pretty good money dude. they make they make bank <laughs> yeah oh, shit. And he's like, yeah, I just bought my third home. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like life is good. Like I do this. I get to see everyone. I'm driving. Yeah. I love driving. I get to see like everyone. I get to wave to everyone. Everyone's happy to see me. Everyone's pissed when I don't come around. Yeah. You know, it's just like I run this block yeah. type thing, you know. Yeah. But like, yeah, there's I think it's it's either like you're really you're if if you're really unhappy with with certain values that you place on yourself, personal goals, that's when you start to find the urge to to venture out and see what else is out there. Otherwise there would be no excuse. I think, you know, it's, if, if, if things aren't lining up, obviously you're, you're going to be unhappy. And then if you're just an unhappy person, then that's what it is. If, if you want to make something positive out yeah. of it, then you do something about it. For sure. Yeah. Well, one thing that I kind of, you asked when I was listening back to the part one, you asked me, you know, what I thought about the program, and I didn't really answer it. I kind of just, like... Beat around the bush? No, but it wasn't even... I was trying to get to the answer, but it was, like, a long-winded, you know, long-winded response. Um, but, yeah, it goes back to the same, you know, ambition and, you know, seeing... The whole story that I was trying to make was that this idea of, like, financial independence you know financial freedom freedom um and how it ties to the profession or at least the way that i see the career that i want to have you know the and you kind of mentioned that you know integrating hobbies into what you do day to day and letting these things you know if it's if it's developing your own house if it's developing you know, an apartment complex that that creates that income that allows you to, you know, pursue these other interests that you have. But at the same time, there's also the, there's the part of it that 
for me the most like seductive part of it was cr that you had your own design input you know that you could make your own decisions about how buildings should be because you're you're the architect and you're the owner yeah you know because i might have these wild ideas that some other client you know like a regular client may or may not be open to them but if i'm the owner then i i implement them and you know i work them out if I figure out like yeah this this might be there's potential here or there's not you know well it's really it's, my, it's really putting you in the hot seat it's really putting you in, in the hot seat as a as an architect as a designer because you might have these ideas and you complain about it you, you know when yeah you can't blame anybody plus like the, your budget it's it's setting your those constraints you know like how much money you can, you can get or how creative you get in your money like that's a uh, uh, you know, you always like say, "Oh, this building is shitty," or whatever. But you don't know that the the back the back story of it. You know, like maybe they couldn't, you know, do this and then. Like, it's really putting you, it's putting a lot of pressure on you as a, a as an architect to sort of perform and like be creative in the in those terms in the terms that you set for yourself or how much money you can raise or whatnot. You know, um, to really test your skills, I guess, or how how, how you implement those things. Miguel, what's your take? Um, as far as like the program goes, or as far as like yeah, the program, just well, I mean, the, like the, yeah, the concept the of it. Well, the model, I think it's like I think it's really, really attractive to me. Uh, just like I said, you know, like I've it's been attractive since I graduated school. I just never, you know, like I it's a heartbreak <laughs> since all those heartbreaks I've been through and. Uh, and just seeing like the successful guys do it, even like the the not the ones that are not even here in San Diego. There's a couple of guys that I follow that are you know like the that one guy from LA, and there's another guy who's like more up north who's doing very well. Um, and I think there might be a guy in Texas. I don't remember uh, exactly, but it seems like they're really happy with what they're doing, and they're you know they're 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 surviving you know like i don't want I, like I'm, I'm going in with the mentality like you know like abel was saying like i don't want to get rich you know like i don't want yeah. I'm, I'm not getting i'm not looking to get like super wealthy or anything i just want to be able to like be happy with myself and my work and like i don't i don't see like how 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 it's not like an option you know like for everybody like i think this is like the way to do it because i mean you obviously you're taking in a lot of risk and a lot of responsibility but it's all on you if you have that mentality of like um yes i can do it and like you're saying you know you put positive energy into the universe you're gonna get positive energy back hopefully you know i mean obviously not all the time but you know like you, you have to stay with it and at the end of the day it just becomes like what you want to do with your life like do you want to live your life you know taking those risks and being happy with with your decisions and and what what you do and with your work or do you want to like you know, kind of being—I wouldn't want to say miserable, but just getting by. You know, sitting at a desk or well, just—we're talking about if we're talking about in the architecture field, that's still a risk, isn't it? Well, yeah, that's yeah, exactly because you don't know when the economy is going to crash. Like you're relying on that. I mean, yeah, it's just the level of risk, I guess. But yeah, I mean, somebody that's somewhat smart about it, and they do want to stick with the—they do want to do—they do not want to do this you know, or 
how do they avert risk right like Ar- they don't even talk about architecture talk about <laughs> i'm so serious like this is yeah, one of the so what would somebody do right like invest in the stock market like that's a vehicle for you know retaining wealth building wealth yeah so we're talking about investments a little bit yeah okay so then um what else do they do they you know brush up on their software skills you know the knowledge of um construction methods um yeah like they just become more knowledgeable and more but it's again you know it's going back to become more knowledgeable to somebody for somebody else to take to use their knowledge to Because somebody that's coming to you is basically like, sure, you took the time to learn about X. So they're going to come to you to because you're the expert at that. But now when they don't need you, it's like, well, like, yeah, how do I, I can't be applying my knowledge, you know, 100% yeah. of the time, all the time. I think how much value you just gave to them for them to right. create wealth or an investment yeah. for themselves. And like you're the you you were the catalyst for that. Otherwise, why did they not come to you, or why did they go to you? Like you found the magic bean that's gonna be like I could oh I could sell this for X amount in this neighborhood, right? And then it kind of just you're like oh, well so then what it what does it take for me to become you type thing? And because I want to live that life, it looks like you're pretty happy or successful, however you want to define that. Another thing I wanted to bring up too is like, Emred, you don't necessarily, you know, there are plenty of architect developers who didn't go to Emred mm-hmm. too. So, yeah. what are your, Miguel, what are your reasons to consider Emred as a program? Um, well, and I'm asking this question because you have been working at a firm. You know how to, you know how to draw a house. Yeah. You know how to get it permitted. You know the, you know it forwards and backwards. You know the, the relationship between the uh, the the client and and the architect or designer you know the relationship between the architect designer and the contractors you you kind of know those stages so I mean what what is it about MRED in San Diego with a you know what what are the reasoning what's the reasoning behind this well I mean it's pretty simple it's just the two major things are you know the business aspect of it because like we talked about how you know we're we're all like we cannot every anybody who came out of school well not anybody but people who came out of school and have worked in the field know how to you know kind of do those things you know um so for me it's more about the business aspect of it learning about the financials learning about those connections that you guys talk about learn like getting into that uh quote-unquote club uh, and uh, and since my goal is to stay in San Diego, right? Mm-hmm. So like, why wouldn't you? You know, why wouldn't you get in that circle? Um, you're essentially paying a, a membership fee uh, <laughs> to get into that. To get into that, but not only that. I mean, it's all about the resources, right? It's all about like the the knowledge that they have that they have been doing that they have been pretty successful at. Like, why wouldn't you want to? You know, like look at a performa from Mike Burnett. You know. Or from Jonathan Siegel or, or, or something like that. Like, why wouldn't you? If, if that's your main goal, to develop and do your own projects, why? I just I don't see why wouldn't you want to do it, even if you're not, you know, um, 
like looking for for I guess like right away jump into it you know like it's part of like the planning of it uh, what would be in like an ideal first project for you an ideal first project for me would be um like a f- maybe like a like a two to four unit uh building yeah and so there's always that you're always weighing the options of if i go through the program am i going to know how to do that like effectively but do you now like in your position do you think you'd be able to develop that on your own on my own yeah um because there are you know there's so many different resources there's yeah. there's books on this there's there's podcasts on this. Yeah. You know, they all talk about like, right. t- like the foundations of what you need to know. Right. And if you were to investigate it, like you could probably learn it, but would you, I guess that's the, that's, that's where I was. It's like, do I just do this by myself? And I wager this tuition costs yeah. for my project. And there's a lot of talk about that. And it's just like, you're going to offset your, your potential to get your feet wet with the project right now and then take up a year of school. Right. You know, when you could, like there, there's two ways to go about it yeah yeah i mean i i feel like for me it would be more it would make more sense to just do do the program as opposed to just doing it on my own because i would be I, I think i would waste a lot of time you know what i mean and, and probably money if i did it on my own uh just because i don't have those resources mm-hmm. available to me um because like a lot of people don't put value on resources because of the age that we live in you know like you can just go to the internet and find something like you're saying like podcasts like but those things are valuable you know somebody putting the time and the energy to put it out there um or even like you know some you have to buy like a code book you know and they're not cheap like that's a resource and you know like like the whole it's also part of it it's more you know that it's curated yeah exactly you know the MRIP program, your professors, they already kind of went through that first phase. Exactly. Trying to find those. Yeah. You know, whether they're podcasts or they're books or spreadsheet templates or whatever. There's a model in place. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's what is attractive to me. Yeah, definitely. That's cool. So are you thinking about soon or is this something that you want to, uh, like, you want to um, strengthen other no I mean I, I think I kind of like I, I know there's still time to apply for the 2018 2019 yeah. uh, year but I think I'm I think I, I would be more comfortable doing like next year like 2019 2020 that would be my year mm-hmm. just because of where I am in like you know personal life and and, yeah. and, all that and, and how it's playing out cool I think it emphasizes um, it, it's really it's really nice to see that every gesture that we do in regards to the program it's always started it always starts with like what is the intent here what is your architectural go at it you know it's, it's usually never like oh well, you know we could stuff this type of prototype on it and generate x amount of money but uh, i think there is this this good relationship with um uh, designing with intent designing with architecture first and foremost you know like again for for anyone who's listening at this just just google it and get that like woodbury front page description and yeah. see if it sparks interest with you because and then there's also if yeah, if you're listening there's you gotta do some deep 
googling but there's out i came across once uh google maps uh like a little map that showed all the projects in san diego by emred yeah oh that's it it's out there like yeah that's a woodbury map uh, it's on the website yeah, go see each yeah, one of those projects. Yeah, go see yeah. those projects. A lot of them are walkable. Yeah, coincidentally, maybe not. That yeah. like, you know, you could walk within the city, and there's these nice projects. But yeah. you know, that totally lends into like making the city. A, yeah. You know, Definitely. Topics that you were talking about. True. Cool. Yeah, I think that wraps up part two. Cool. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having. Yeah, thanks, us. Jeremy. Yeah. Very, I, love, I love this conversation. You know, it's, it's again, it's, it's not for everybody. I guess to, to summarize, like, yeah. this is, and I, you know, someone could have listened to both episodes and st- still would have been like, "What are you guys talking about?" Because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's very like, it's it's alternative, but uh, I think it's it's something that needs to be more pronounced. I think it gives value back to our profession. Yeah, yeah, and um, <laughs> the real estate agent. Like, three days ago told me one thing so um, I'm really excited to like listen again and, and on this yeah. podcast and maybe I'll be sad next time <laughs> or maybe I'll be really happy you know nice. like that's, how, that's the way it goes but yeah thanks for having me